Hey everyone, Liv here. Welcome back to another episode of My Gay Playlist. It's Pride Month. I hope you're celebrating yourself today and every day because you deserve it. This week on our show, we have Pronoun. Pronoun is the moniker for singer-songwriter and one-woman band, Elise Velturo. She is a musician based out of Brooklyn. Her music has been described as indie synth, indie pop. She's a total badass. I've said it before about our guests on the show, but Elise really does it all. She records, writes, produces all her own music. I had such a blast chatting with her. She's totally cool and totally knows her stuff. And so I'm really excited for you guys to hear our show today. Stick around. It's coming up right now. Welcome to My Gay Playlist and Stories from Outside the Closet. My name is Liv Lombardi, and I am your host. This is a podcast about coming out and the music that inspires our journeys. To me, coming out is an act of honesty. It's something that we do every day when we decide to live our lives as authentically as possible. Where are my dreamers at? Where are my freaks and geeks and weirdos and losers and nerds? If you were ever told you don't have a place here, I'm saying this table is set for you. So take a seat and tell me about it. And we'll start with this. What are your stories and what are your songs? If you want to follow along and listen to each guest's particular gay playlist as you stream our episodes, head over to mygayplaylist.com. There you'll find each episode's corresponding song list. Until then, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Okay, so to start off, first of all, I loved that the playlist that you sent me, uh, you titled, Oh My God, I'm Gay. Like question yep. mark. <laughs> I love that. That was awesome. Thank you. Um, and I'm super excited to have you on today and to chat. So I'm a huge fan of your music generally. And I really like it because it has this emo sort of feeling to it, uh, sound that I assumed maybe you got from what you listened to growing up. And a little bit of your playlist, in my opinion, definitely speaks to that. So I'm cool. super excited yeah. to have it. Like <laughs> cute is what we aim for. I haven't heard the curse of curves. In I years. know. And then it, it's on your playlist. I'm like, oh, my heart. Right. I hadn't heard it in years either. <laughs> so I'm super psyched to talk to you about that. But before we get started, okay, so you are pronoun. You perform as pronoun. Your name is Elise Velturo. You are a musician and you operate under the alias pronoun. And you started doing that in 2015. Did I miss anything? That sounds right to me. That's like the gist, right? Yeah, that's totally the gist. Awesome. Yeah, I so I discovered your work through Instagram, I think back in 2017, probably when you released, what EP was that in 2017? There's No One New Around You. Yes. Yep. Yeah, and I became a fan of your work. I'm sure we probably also have some mutual musician friends just from, I used to live in Northern New Jersey. We probably have played shows with similar people at some point, I'm sure. Oh yeah, for sure. So what I love about, what I love about your work, and I want to chat a little bit about kind of what brought you to performing as pronoun and, you know, a little bit about your backstory and stuff. But what I love about your work is that you do everything yourself and even your, I remember there was this period of time I was seeing posts and stories on Instagram where, and I don't know, you can tell me if it was part of like maybe your marketing plan was like you were, mm -hmm. your music fucking rocks. 
And you were sharing like rejection letters from press and media. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I just love that attitude and sort of just, yeah, like how how you seem to navigate at least through social media, uh, what you're right. doing and how you're doing it. So I'd love to hear a little bit from you about what maybe inspired you to start performing as pronoun, where the name comes from, what you're hoping to do with your music. Clearly it's awesome, but I'd love to hear a bit about kind of where you're coming from and all that. Um, well, I mean, I started pronoun in like 2015, I guess I literally, I think it was late 2015 I went through like a really bad breakup um that mm. was very like sudden and messed up and heart like heartbreaking of course and angering and just like a very strange situation and the only thing that made me feel better was making music and I had started making music before that just for fun like I went to a music school all of that jazz but I wasn't really creating my own stuff anymore like probably for five years so I had started doing that for fun just because I missed doing it. And then that breakup happened and I was like, I'm going to make, I'm, I'm, I want to write about this. And like, it's the only thing that makes me feel better. So that's kind of how it all began. Um, I was originally going to be called monocopsis, which is the, the subtle but consistent feeling of being out of place Ooh, or feeling out word? of place. Monocopsis. Monocopsis. I'm writing that down. Yeah. I'm such a word nerd. I never heard that. No, before. it's a great word. It was like one of those, it was like an, an internet article, like some article on the internet. It was like emotions that have words for them that you didn't know have words for them. So I'd seen that oh, once. I, and that. I was like, oh, I want to use that someday. Or what an interesting word. So I was going to call myself that. And then my friend who ended up being the woman that put out the EP in my first uh, my first record on her label um, called me and was like, what are you up to? And I was like, oh, I'm claiming all my socials for Monocopsis. And she's like, oh, why are you naming your band that? That doesn't, no one knows what that means. And <laughs> you don't know how to spell it. And no one knows how to pronounce it. And I was like, cause I'm on a roll. And like, you have 30 minutes to call me back with like a better name. She called me back and was like, what about pronoun? And I like wrote it down. And at the time I wrote it down and all, I was like, I like it, but I don't like I don't like the uppercase P, so I made it all lowercase. And that just kind of went from there, which is very ironic because literally like what that was like five years ago and didn't even cross my mind of like different people's pronouns and all that. It really like reminds me of how recent and needed the conversation was. Right. Because literally when we were discussing that, it was like, the I was like, oh yeah, that's a word I would learn in an English class that I don't even know what it means actually. Right. But so yeah, that's how the name came along. You know, what's interesting is that I love that it sort of was just maybe like an off the cuff, like, hey, what about pronoun? Mm -hmm. Because the idea of pronouns are such a big part of the conversation. And mm -hmm. generally, I feel like within the queer community and our society right now, as it should be. Right. But I know that people assign meaning to things just in their own head. But what I think is really interesting about you being the pronoun is uh, performing as pronoun is that your music specifically, I there's a bit of an androgyny to the sound of your mm -hmm. singing voice, which I really love. And the fact that you are pronoun, it's like it it leaves the ambiguity open to just like the sonic experience of hearing hearing your music. Does that make any sense? Do you know what I'm yeah, trying to say? Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people thought at the beginning, when only just because you can't or a million other things was that was that I was a man. <laughs> yeah. Or like a young, a young teenage boy or something. For sure. I mean, I get that all the time with my own music, just because mm -hmm. my my speaking voice, as you can hear, is a little raspy, and it's always been that right. way. Um, yeah. So I dig it. I love I love blurring the line of it. 
even when you don't intend to, it's, it's one of my faves. I know it's great. I mean, after the fact we started, I started realizing like pronouns can stand alone or like be the subject or the object. Lots of like English stuff that like I hadn't really thought about because I wasn't an English person <laughs> in school. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it ended up working in, in a really cool way and interesting way. And I think it also, yeah, it kind of helps keep that conversation going. I guess I'll never forget when people started speaking about this more openly and having pronouns be a part of the conversation because yeah, 2015, like didn't even cross most people's, most people's minds that I knew. So I'm really happy. It's actually starting the conversation, the conversation starting. Yes. I can't believe it's only been five years and (laughs) I don't know. I feel like I've learned so much. I feel like society for the most part, if you're seeking it out, has learned a lot and is way more open to to hearing different views and different people's stories. Yeah, it kind of feels like things are moving at warp speed in a lot of ways. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So, okay, before we get into your playlist a bit, I'd love to hear quickly, want to just have a little back background of where you're coming from. You are based in Brooklyn. You're still based in Brooklyn. Yep. But you're originally from Concord, Massachusetts, Boston mm-hmm. area. I'd love to hear a bit about that earlier part of your life. Did you come from a musical family? Were you listening to music a lot? Like, was that always kind of part of your your identity or your everyday just in your house? Yeah, like my parents were, it's my dad's side is kind of musical. Nothing like, no one is like going out and performing, but there's a lot of when we would have family gatherings, would be like gathered around the piano that my great grandmother would play and like a lot of guitar players and classical guitar players and lots of singing and stuff, but no one like pursuing it really full time, at least to my knowledge. But I think when we were, when we were, me and my two sisters were younger, like we from four on like had to take piano lessons, Mm. which looking back, I'm like, that was an amazing thing to do. But at the time I was like, I don't want to play piano. I hated practicing. Um, And I probably only did it for a couple of years. I picked up guitar after that, took lessons for a little bit when I was like 10 played drums when I was like in middle school, like in our little like middle school band for a bit. And the one snare drum, like the one snare no, drum that, that they gave I you? Did, there was like drums for like, like band bands. I played the drum set basically. And, oh, I, and I played, dope. I played like some percussive instruments, but I did, then I took drum lessons and did that for a little bit, but all of it was pretty early on. And then when I started high school I started playing sports for the most part I was like loved basketball um I didn't love softball but I had to play it because you know I'm gay so I did that it's a rite of passage yeah I didn't let myself play softball in high school even though the softball coach like tried recruiting me when I was in the eighth grade yes I I didn't even I didn't even audition I think subconsciously I was scared I was like I can't play softball I'll turn into Miss Zulo the you know clearly super dykey softball coach and I was scared of that whatever that's (laughs) another story (laughs) you're like we're married now (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah and then I think around like middle of high school I loved basketball I stopped growing and I picked up guitar again but really just like for fun like no lessons or anything and then I started writing my own music for the first time around high school. Did that for a bit, took a couple years off after high school. And then when I got, then I moved to Harvard Square with my dad. Um, I was working at an ice cream shop there, went to another college for a year, came back, worked at a cafe. And then I, I got into Berkeley College of Music 2012. Oh, wait, no, sorry. 2000, like nine I started and that's where I actually put down my own music and started getting into like producing and like engineering and mixing and stuff cool as well as business I picked up business as well so I, I dual majored in those 
And I guess that's like kind of how I ended up in New York after moving to New York in 2012 for that first, wow, I can't believe, I guess it was only like three years, but I, three or four years, I just was like on the business side, management and distribution and stuff until I like started making my own music again. I think it's great though, because I, I feel like that realm of things, I, it was lost on me or was for a very long time. Only now that I have been just trying, like getting hip to taking things a bit more seriously, like business wise and like track, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm like, okay, yes, I do need to know this. Cause I study theater. And then I mm-hmm. was just like, I want to tour and make music. And I don't care if anyone is going to support me in that or not. Like, I'm just going to do it myself. Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely, definitely is a gift to be able to know how to navigate the other side of things. Cause it's a whole nother yeah. language. It's a whole nother world. It really is. Okay. So let's, let's not waste any more time. Let's get into your playlist. So okay. what I loved about your, your playlist is that there's this great mix of, in my opinion, like these pop throwbacks. Like I would think of like mm-hmm. pop throwbacks that remind me of my teenage years, some mm-hmm. emo classics. And then also the quintessential lesbian yep. goddess is Tegan and Sarah. Of course. So it there's a lot of wonder going on here. Also, the deep cuts of Third Eye Blind are essentially always, always needed. Always For needed. sure. Uh, so let's get into it. I love, I love that there's, and I'm going to skip around a little bit. So yeah. I'd love to start with some of these pop songs. I don't think I've listened to you have whatever you like by TI mm-hmm. followed by my love featuring TI by yep. Justin Timberlake towards the end of your playlist. I want to hear a little bit about these songs and why they're on there. I could For be willing sure. to guess that they were just in your head a lot as a younger human, but. Yeah, I mean, I actually, I'm pretty bad at making playlists for the most, or like something like, like themed playlists for the most part. So this one, I, this whole playlist, I was like, these are the songs I was listening to, like when I was starting, I took it very, I take things very literally. Oh, that's <laughs> so what like, we, we want like, literal like, or abstract. Tell me a song that saved your life. And I'm like, I cannot. Like, like, well, you know what we mean. I'm like, no, I just don't feel comfortable being like this song saved my life because it just didn't. But um, so I took it very literally where I was like, I'm going to make a playlist of all the songs I was listening to when I was realizing I was gay. So, I mean, I would say a lot of the pop, the pop and hip hop ones that are on here were just on the radio a lot. And I worked at an ice cream store and like when this was all happening. So like top 40 radio is always playing. Um, and I hadn't revisited them in so long. I literally like searched like radio hits from 2007, 2008. Cause I was like, I don't even remember what these songs were called. I just remember they were always playing and that I loved them. But yes. I know it's, it's weird too. Cause like, I can't go back and Spotify and see, cause it's so long ago. Like Spotify didn't exist. Like I would have I to like open my old iTunes library and like see what I played the most, which I don't even know where that is anymore. But yeah, a lot of those come from that time where it was like, kind of reminds me of walking around Harvard Square to and from work and like just the radio, what it was playing. (laughs) Yes. So you were working at an ice cream shop. Was there like, so my mind is always making stories and like, you know, maybe it's the, the actor in me wants like some sort of script. You were working at an ice cream shop. How old were you during this time? Teenage years? Early 20s? I was like early, I was like 19, 20. Okay. So you're working at an ice cream shop in Harvard Square. I could picture that in my head because I've been there. 
beautiful, like very cute, dare I say, historic, definitely historic little area of outside of Boston. And uh, you're working at an ice cream shop. You finished high school. You're not out yet. And you're realizing that you're gay. And maybe there's, I could be a way off base. Maybe there's someone that you work with at the ice cream shop and you're scooping ice cream together. And you're like, whoa, what are all these feelings I'm having now? Am I way off base? (laughs) (laughs) I like... I think I had realized that I was attracted to women, but I still hadn't really hooked up with the woman. And like, or maybe like around that time, it was the first time I did. But I was at the point where like any girl that was cute, I had a crush on. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Or like yep. anyone I got a remote vibe from, I was just like obsessed with because I was like, I don't know what it feels like to even do this. I mean, there's a frustrating time that I, I don't know if how many people go through it where you're like, I think I am gay, but you're like, I, you just don't know until like you actually kiss a girl or like whatever. And I'm like, I mean, I'm like 18, 19 living in Harvard square. I don't have any friends. I'm like, how do I find a girl? Like, I don't know how to find a girl to make out with like, and see. So it's like a weird period of like in between where you're like, I think I'm this, but like, I don't know yet. Like until it ends up happening. So yeah, that's kind of was the vibe. I didn't have any friends at the ice cream shop. I was one of the only like full-time people there and also most of the people there were either in high school or like in the summer were back from college for and that was their like summer gig when they came back and stuff so everyone was probably like 17 to like 21 i love that i love but it was quite a scene it was called harold's was the ice cream place it's not there anymore though it was okay i love that i love that so okay let's talk about a few more of these songs i love and maybe we could tie it into a bit of what's inspiring you when you when you're writing or mm-hmm. sort of maybe is some jumping off points i kind of hate that question when people are like what are your biggest inspirations because i don't really know mm-hmm. but i do think about a lot of the music that i grew up listening to and that i still listen to and i think it definitely there are like theme threads of that sonically in what i'm at least trying to write i don't know if it actually mm-hmm. comes across for instance on your playlist there's there's a lot of what we would say pop punk curse of the mm-hmm. curves Halifax. So we have cute is what we aim for boys like girls, Jack's mannequin, which is to me like a super throwback. Yeah. Are some of these songs aside from being sort of part of your, your coming out soundtrack do some of these bands and stuff kind of influence the music that you wanted to make and sort of the sounds that you were having in your head while, while you're writing? I don't, as you said, it's kind of hard to, I guess, grasp. I'm not positive. Like, I think a lot of the production stuff, like in, you know, Island and Hero Heroin, like, they they sound very huge and they're very loud, but they're also very commercial and, and pop-ish. Mm-hmm. So I think I pull a lot from that, just where, like, wanting things to sound big, but, like, cohesive and, and at the end of the day, still pop, like, still catchy. Mm-hmm. which I think a lot of the, what we would call like pop punk stuff that's on here is. But I think more so like the Third Eye Blind stuff and like the format are just like huge influences. And I, I was listening to like the first single, I think, by the format like two days ago. I was like, oh my. Sometimes you hear things and you're like, I had no idea that I was like, this is so much in my, or I can hear so much of my music in yeah. some of these songs that I didn't even like realize because I haven't listened to them in a while. And it's just like, Oh wait, this is like exactly kind of like the production of some of your stuff. So I don't know, as you said, I think like you don't realize it, it just ends up being in there. Right. Cause you're like, this is the sound that I like. And then of course you're going to make the sound that you like, uh, but then you kind of forget where it came from kind of, mm-hmm. I don't know. 
<laughs> yes, totally. Yeah, I, I hear that. So uh, let's talk about Third Eye Blind a little bit. You have a few of their songs on your playlist. What what are they doing on there? Is there any significance for these particular two? I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah, like this, again, took it very literally. Out of the vein, I was just listening to a ton and just like basically discovered it like in 2007, 2006, 2007. So I was listening to it constantly. And I think like just rhythmically, there's this whole album to me is like rhythmically very, very cool. Mm -hmm. There's tons going on like in the percussive elements. There's tons going on vocally, a lot of rhythmic vocal stuff that I'm a huge fan of. And I think I end up using a lot in my music. And yeah, it just doesn't, it didn't really sound and still doesn't really sound like to me that much stuff that's, that's really out there. Like I love self-titled also. And I think that probably is my favorite. It's like, that could be like, I could put that record on and if someone lived under a rock, they could just kind of like, oh, cool. Like it's like an indie ro- alternative rock band. But I feel like out yeah. of the vein, it's like, it really stands out as being like, this sounds different, but again, very commercial. But I haven't heard many people like doing these kind of things. Totally. And again, I think it really comes back to like the syncopation and like the rhythm of the songs on that record. So I just picked like two of my favorites off of it, threw them on here. But I was listening to the whole thing a lot. I love that. So, you know, on this show, we talk a lot about obviously coming out. And so I I think about that in the through the lens of like sexuality, gender identity. Clearly, that's the 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 biggest part of that conversation, but also living authentically kind of stepping out of the box, like seeing a fork in the road and being like, you know what, this way to the right is maybe like super convenient, but this way to the left is confusing, but it seems like it's going to have the things that speak to my heart the most. Like it makes me the happiest, the way of authenticity. Right. So in that regard, I'd love to hear from you about what that means to you, like what coming out means to you. And also, I'd love to know a bit about your decision to like start your own record label. You're the founder of Sleep mm-hmm. Well Records. And to me, that's a bit of a coming out in itself to be like, no, you know what? I'm going to put out my own music so I can do it the mm-hmm. way I want. Yeah, I'd love to hear about the origins of that and what your thoughts are on the whole idea of coming out to start, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, coming out's an interesting one for me because I never, I never really like, it's a very long story, but basically like I, I think some people have similar stories where it's like, I realized like probably like 16 or 17, I had a huge crush on my best. I was in love with my best friend. Yes. But I didn't realize it. Like, you Mm. know, it's just like, you're like, this is my best friend. I am obsessed with them. I get upset when they like, don't answer me or... (laughs) They are talking to someone else, but then like the boyfriend gets involved and it's like, wait, why do I care about this? And then why am I jealous of their boyfriend? Yeah. Right. And like in where I grew up, Concord, like I I wouldn't even say like gay, but like lesbian didn't really seem to be a thing. And it wasn't like if some girl walked around dressed like a boy, it wasn't like look at that dyke. It was like, ha ha ha, that girl dresses like a boy. You know, like it was never associated with what like, you know oh, I hear she's queer. Oh, she's a big lesbian. Like it really didn't exist. And there were gay men because we had a big theater program. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like, so I feel like that was more prevalent and stuff. And, you know, there's a lot of theatrical things going on. And I was just like, oh, they're gay, but like didn't even realize like what it meant, I guess. But you're saying there wasn't many like lesbian, quote unquote, there wasn't a culture to even mirror or to know 
maybe what that meant or if there was a place for you among it sort of thing. Right. It was yeah. just, it didn't really exist to me. And then I, and I think there was every once in a while, I would think like, oh wait, maybe I like my best friend or I love my best friend. <laughs> but it was also like, I mean, uh, there's no lesbians. What are the odds? I'm the only lesbian here. Like, right. no, that can't be it or whatever. I giggle um, because I can relate. I've had like thinking the hindsight of my experience is like, I think to like high school where there was maybe two or three good friends of mine that I just always wanted to hang out with. And I would get super excited when I saw when I was with them, I always find a reason to like break the touch barrier, you know? And now looking back, I'm like, Oh yeah, you just, I think had a crush on them. Yeah. The doors open up where you're like, Oh, (laughs) like there's another girl like in middle school that like was a year older than me and was like extremely athletic and played all the sports. I loved and was very talented. And I just always was like, Oh, I think that you just like want to be her and like are super inspired. But it was like, but you're obsessive. And like, whenever she talks to you, you're like, Oh my God, she's talking to me. (laughs) And yeah, it's just like, it was a very backward or not backwards. It was just like, I, it wasn't like one of those things when I was like younger, younger that I was like, I know this thing and I have to keep it a secret. It was like, I had to realize it and come and it be, yeah, it came into my awareness and consciousness. Cause like, cause like also growing up, like I was a complete tomboy. Like I started an all boys club, like when I was in elementary school, like I refused club? an all boys club. What was that like? What was that for? Just like hanging out with the dudes in the neighborhood. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. It was like three or four of us. And cause I think we were just young enough where like, you know, all it took was someone saying to them, like, but is it Elisa girl? And then you'd be like, oh, right. Wait, how is she in our all boys club? Um, I don't really even know what happened with it, but it, it's funny to look back on it and be like, oh, weird. Like, right. <laughs> there were some signs there. Yes. Right. And then, yeah, I w- hated wearing dresses, always would wear, would wanted short. I had short hair for a really long time. I identified more with boys than I did girls. I, I, luckily, like, I never felt, like, ashamed or, like, people were never, like, she needs to get in a dress or, like, are you, I'm sure people probably were my mom, like, are you worried she's gay? But I think my mom was, like, she's five. <laughs> like, what do you yeah. mean? Why? What are you thinking about what she, like, who she's attracted to? She's Why are you old. sexualizing my daughter who just so doesn't want to be hyper-feminine at five? Leave her the fuck alone. Mm -hmm. Your mom's a rock star, by the way. Yep. Yep. It was great. You know, so I'd love to, I I remembered that you toured with Jimmy World and I would love to hear about that experience for you because they're one of my favorites. And I can't not ask you before our conversation is over, over if you were, I mean, I'm assuming you're a huge fan of theirs as well humongous were you able to keep it together are you one of those people that gets like weird around your heroes or were you able to like be the very chill laid-back Elise that you seem to be Mm -hmm. because I wouldn't be I would just be (laughs) messing up my chords on stage and freaking out the entire time well I do that either way so (laughs) um no it was it was amazing I don't like I guess it kind of depends on the band like Jimmy Eat World is one of my favorite bands of all time, but it also isn't one of those things that like, if, if Jim Adkins walked by me at a festival and said, hello, I would be like, Oh my God. Like he just seems like a very, there's something about them as a band that just seems very, and, and is true. Like just very down to earth and personable and like nothing to be like intimidated by really at all. So 
luckily like it was very it was unreal to like be like hey we're going out on the road with them and be meeting them but yeah i never felt um like walking on eggshells and being like oh my god what if i say the wrong thing they just seemed very friendly and like you know happy to be there and and they had found my music like they we didn't even submit to open for that tour they like asked me to play that tour so That's like so rad it was it's it's a pretty wild story like every every amazing thing that has happened to me happens on twitter um which is funny because like it's not like i have like a ton of followers or even like an engaged followership but every 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 life-changing thing has happened there for me and the drummer had found my music through a tweet that it's just a very long story but he's like oh this is rad um and then i just get an email like two months before that tour being like hey you're on the short list for this um and it ended up happening. So I guess that was nice too, where it's just like, they listened and liked my music and were like, we want you to open for us. So I kind of lost like that, like whole, like, am I worthy or anything like that? Totally. Either. Yeah, like it doesn't rad. matter if you feel worthy because they chose you. So, um, but it was, it was incredible. I mean, I get in my head a lot of performing, which I can't really describe because I, it's not even fear of like making a mistake and and having the audience judge me, it's more like I make a mistake and I get angry at myself. Um, and as I said, like, I don't really consider myself a guitarist or a vocalist that, that much. So um, I just do it because i that's how to tell what I, that's how I say what I want to say, I guess. Like, it's like, okay, if you want people to hear your music, like, you have to go up there and sing it and play it. Right. Um, but it's challenging. It's very challenging. And it takes a while, especially because we don't play tons of shows all the time. Like, you know, like a tour like that, it's like, I, I hadn't played for a couple months, you know? So it's like, okay, mm -hmm. right. Get back in the groove of it, all that. But it's a lot for me, like singing. And uh, again, also because I record and everything in my apartment, it's like, when we go to play it live, sometimes I'm like, you can't, this is impossible. Like you can't sing all of this. Cause I'll like record the verse and then the chorus and there's like overlaps and no, there's no breathing time. And I'm like, this is, this isn't realistic. Like you're going to have to figure out how to do this, but you're going to have to, it's not just simply like go play the song. It's like, all right, I'm going to need my bassist to sing this part so then I can sing this part. But then at the same time, I'm also like, okay, and don't forget to turn the boost pedal on so that you're, cause you're about to solo. And it's like, all oh, right, I forgot. I have to learn the solo. You know, it's just like a ton. Yeah. Of, it's like a lot all at once. It's um, pressure. So, it's a little bit of pressure also. Yeah, it's it's mm -hmm. a lot. And it's very much like, it, I, it's good because it's I like challenging myself. But at the same time, it is kind of derpy because I'm just like, oh my God. And then I have to like sing and play guitar and do the pedals at the same time. I feel like some <laughs> bands listen to this and they're like, yeah, that's what playing in a band is, you idiot. But like for <laughs> me, I'm like, this is a lot. And I, and it's good though. Like I never, I never thought I'd be doing it, but so that tour, it was amazing, but I, there was a little bit of like, am I, am I like letting them down? Are they like, how does it sound? You know, you never, you know, this, like you can never hear yourself ever. Like you will never be in the audience and listen back to what they're hearing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember the first time, like my first show and, and realizing that truly realizing like you will just always be on the stage and never be able to hear exactly what the other people are hearing so but the tour was incredible they are amazing um and i hope i get to like see them again soon honestly
Uh, so you have some music coming out. Your EP, OMG, I Made It, mm-hmm. probably will have come out last week by the time this episode airs. Great. And I listened to two of the singles. I'm assuming they're two of the singles from this EP that you've released in the past few weeks. Yes. Would love to hear about where these came from, especially there's the one it's called I Want to Die, But I Can't. Just knowing what 2020 was like and <laughs> being just a clusterfuck of emotions and feelings and my own experience, like what are we living through? Yeah. Would love to hear about that song in particular. Where did it come from? And was it was it inspired by like a year spent not really knowing what normal was? Right, right. Actually, I wrote that song before the pandemic. Right. Which I okay, almost cool. think is more disturbing. <laughs> it's like, eh, things are so bad. And it's like, little did you know that yeah. it, it's about to get even crazier. But I don't know. I wrote that song. I guess I was going through a time where I felt pretty stagnant in my life, which I guess I normally do anyway. Like I have problems. I think most people have problems like seeing themselves from the outside and being like, Hey, like you're friggin' awesome. Or like you're doing a lot of things. I just always feel like I'm not doing anything or I could be doing more, not living up to my potential or I'm fucking around too much. And that's how like that, that first lyric is just like, everybody's moving on growing in their own way. No matter where I put myself, I'm always in the same place. And it's like about actually like just watching, I guess specifically like coworkers and and friends around, like I feel like they're growing and they're yeah, every every day in their life, like something is growing and they're growing into themselves and you know, succeeding in their career or moving up or you know, moving in with a spouse or you know, having a baby or whatever. Not that I even want any of those things, but just watching I felt very much like that's all going on around me and I am just like the odd one out and it's not happening to me. And then uh, it got into, I guess, the chorus, which is I want to die, but I can't because I got to keep living, is me like, one day I was just like, I'm so over this. Like, I guess it wasn't even one day. It was just like a lot of days where it's like, I don't don't even want to do this anymore. Like, this is bullshit. Bitching about that. And it's like, you know what? I bet a lot of other people don't want to either, at least, and they're fucking going to work every day and like eating and being a human being and like doing their best. Like, I want to die, but I can't because I got to keep living. It's like, everyone else is doing it. Try to find some way to get, try to figure out how to get through this because like, yeah, I don't know. It's a tough one to talk about because I don't want to either be be insensitive either but it's it was just a weird emotion where it's like okay you want to die what are you going to do about it you're not going to do anything so you're just going to have to figure out how to keep existing and hopefully finding a nice place in existence if you can it's an interesting point of conversation because well it's very essential and i think more relatable than you might think in I, I totally get, I totally hear you on the not wanting to be insensitive because that same thing, that thought, the thing you just expressed is I'm, a lot of people sh- like actually really struggle with it mm-hmm. in a way that becomes much more dangerous as we know. Mm-hmm. But what you're talking about essentially is like this feeling of, well, I'm going through the motions. This is what I heard from it. I'm going mm-hmm. through these motions and it seems like what I'm supposed to be doing, but is it what I want to be doing? And I kind of wanted mm-hmm. to just stop, but it can't. And I'm not really going to do anything to stop it, though. Mm -hmm. What can I do to stop it? You know, it's like this uh, conundrum. I remember talking to a a therapist of mine in my early 20s, expressing a similar sentiment. And he was just like, well, you can't stop life, but you can at least stop yourself in it. You can pause Mm -hmm. and kind of take a minute to figure out what it is you want to do next because life won't stop. 
Um, so hearing you say that kind of, it reminds me of that conversation. It reminds me of that sentiment of, I want to die, but I can't, I want to stop, but I can't. So how do I move okay. forward uh, with the rest of the shit now that I'm aware of this feeling, you know? Right. Yeah. For sure. Super relatable. Definitely. Yay. Yeah. That's what I was like, I guess. Yeah. It also touches on shame things where it's like, yeah, for a while I'm like, well, I can't write this. Cause like, you know, then everyone's going to know how I'm feeling. And then I don't know. I think I got to a place too, where I was like, maybe a lot of people are feeling like this, maybe a lot more people than you even know. And you know what? They don't want to talk about it. Cause yeah, they're not like, well, I, I don't want people to judge me for this or, you know, it's not that bad or, you know, it's not like I'll do anything about it or it's not going to be concerned about or whatever. And decided I was like, I, I think that I got to, I got to figure out what the song is about really, but I do want to put it out, just have it out there and see if other people can relate to it or if it can help them in any way. Oh, it's a great tune. I, I love it. Thanks. Um, you know, one of my, and, and briefly because we'll, we'll wrap it up soon, but one of my other favorite tunes uh, that you've put out is a million other things. I just love it. It's so catchy. I'd love to hear a bit just cause I have you here uh, yeah. where that, where that song was coming from when you wrote it and what it was like recording it. You do all recording for the most part, like at your apartment, right? Like in your yep. own space. Yeah. I'd love yep. to hear about where you were at when you wrote that song and what it's about and, and recording it and getting it all done. Yeah. It's one of my faves. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that one I recorded, that whole first EP is just me. Um, there are no real drums on it. I think the guy that mixed it, Steve, put a synth bass on Snowed In, but that was about it. And it all came together like extremely quickly. I'm pretty sure a million other things, and just because you can't, I wrote like in a day. That's awesome. I love it when that happens. Yeah. Yeah, that was just like, it was like an open diary to like fresh off of a breakup and what's going on and kind of figuring out how to process like yeah my my self-processing it and I guess also like stuff I wanted to say to the other person that I couldn't at the time mm. it's like we weren't talking it was like we're probably about to break up a lot of this was written in like a two-week limbo where they were still out in LA um and I had gone out to visit and we like kind of were like let's take a break and figure this out so yeah it was like a bunch of those were like the two weeks I wrote the two weeks in between that of like things I wanted to say but I couldn't because I was like we're we shouldn't talk to each other because I really need them to figure this out on their own. And I don't want to get in the way of that. Um, so yeah, that's where a million other things came from. Um, I haven't thought about it in a while, actually. That's funny. I do think it's great though. If it like, sometimes like the, my favorite Mexican restaurant by me, like puts it on and be like, ha ha ha. Like, yeah, it's your music. And I like I sit there that. and I'm like drunk. Like it like upsets me. Cause I'm like, I will never ever write something this good. Like every time I hear it, I'm like, why do I even try to make more music? Which is usually like, I know I'm in a negative space or whatever, but um, I do love that song. And I think it was definitely captured like a very magical night of my life, I suppose, you know? Yeah. But it's like a weird thing. I think as a musician, like you're like, okay, this song, a million other things, I will never do something as good. And also it's like coming from a, a time, like this two week period that was probably emotionally a little overwhelming and a thousand things going mm -hmm. on, a million things going on, you know, uh, no pun intended. Mm -hmm. And you listen to it again and again, like, damn, this is fucking good. And then you go back to that headspace and you're like, why am I doing this to myself? Is that an yeah. experience that you have? Cause I do that. I do that shit all the time. Uh, I hope it's something I have seen. I think like a lot of this EP is it's definitely about like being extremely unhappy with your existence and the way that you're living life and hoping that you'll do something about it, but not confirming that you're going to do something about it. It's more just like, wouldn't this be nice? So I hope like I made most of it 
the CP to be like, to actually calm myself down when I'm like feeling like the world's too much or like having, I'm like about to have an episode or like whatever. And it's like, Hey, like, listen to this. Remember, like you wrote this and like, you felt the same way, but like, this is how you get through it. But, um, it hasn't worked yet. So <laughs> like, like I, I never do put it on like, if anything, it doesn't help. It just like makes it worse. So I guess we shall see. Hopefully I will. Sometimes if I'm in a good state, I also can listen back and be like, yo, you were so upset and I'm glad you like talked through it in this way. But I don't know, I guess only time will tell because yeah. the, all the past stuff is just, it was just anger towards my ex-girlfriend, honestly. Like it, like the EP was like sadness and like kind of like, I think I deserve better, but I'm really upset. But like, this is what has to happen. And I'm, I'm hopeful for the future, but right now this sucks. And then the album is kind of like, yo, fuck you. Like, fuck this, like this, I deserve better than this. I guess this is the first step of like me talking about my issues with myself because for so long, you know, through that breakup, I like kind of milked it for all it was worth. I was like very focused on that and like sadness about it and how messed up it was. And then like how I'm getting better from it and I deserve more and like self-empowerment. And then like when I got over the actual relationship, I forgot about all the issues I actually have with myself because that was a distraction or not even a distraction. I think something people should, people go through, but it was like when your time is so much focused on this one other thing, I think people probably had that going into the pandemic too, where it's like you're, when you take away like your everyday life and the silly things that you focus on, like you just start being like, whoa, like I, there's all this stuff I never even thought about because I had all these distractions around me. Right. Yeah, totally. A hundred percent. I hear that. Okay. So Elise, the last question I ask every episode if you could tell your younger self something that would maybe make it a little easier, knowing what you know now from the wisdom that you've gained from your own experience living the life that you've led up until now, what would it be? Oy, I don't even know. Um, I guess like deep breaths and it's going to be all right. But I mean, I can st- say that to myself yesterday too, you know, I think I just have to keep saying it all the time. But yeah, so I guess that, I mean, I feel like I was just still and still am like just a very anxious person in general trying to navigate life. But I think like, yeah, deep breaths, it'll get better. It You just got to keep trucking along and it's going to take a while. It took a very long time. Like yeah. I was just now I'm 33 and like just now realizing like appreciate where I am in my life and how I, how I got here and everyone's like letting myself be like yo you're a badass like that's that's rad <laughs> hell yeah you are a badass you you are a badass I I'll I'll mirror that for you right now yeah you're totally a badass hell yeah <laughs> thank you awesome well dude thank you so much for your time I had such a blast chatting with you of course this was awesome I can't wait to hear it Elise thank you so much for your time and for being a guest on our show I had such a rad time chatting with you, and I hope this conversation is not our last. If you're listening, please go support Pronoun. She just released some new music last Friday. Her EP, Oh My God, I Made It, is available on all streaming platforms. Support her stuff. She's rad, and you know you love her music. We're playing you out today with a single from Pronoun's new EP. This one's called I Wanna Die, But I Can't, Cause I Gotta Keep Living. Trying to cry in the bathroom And figure out if I ever get
This show was created by yours truly, Liv Lombardi, that's me, and Courtney Ortel, and co-produced by Virago Artist Management with additional support from Hannah Varnum. Music by yours truly once again, Liv Lombardi. As always, thank you for your ears and your hearts. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe to our podcast, write a review, and share with your friends. Until then, be kind to yourself and gentle. I hope you have a good week, and we'll see you next time.